I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> I, got a, I got a two-year-old daughter, and uh, whoo, all right, so with that, we're going to pray. God, thank you so much for today, Lord, thank you for an opportunity, uh, Father, not only to celebrate moms, but to celebrate women, celebrate uh, the important role that women, wives, daughters, moms, they all play in our lives. So, Father, we thank you for an opportunity to reflect upon that, and Father, we thank you for the opportunity to reflect upon you. The opportunity, Father, that you would use us all. Father, that you would use a sinner like myself turned saint by the power of your name. In your name, amen. We, uh, some of us have, uh, we have kids and they, uh, they act differently. And uh, we have that kid at home, maybe, that, that will wake up early that will get themselves ready. They'll set their own alarm clock if there's, if there's multiple children in their house. Like, they will even, like, wake up and help get the other siblings together. Like, it's super, super kind, super, super nice. They're, they're the type of kid that if they make a mistake, they'll listen to mom and dad, and they won't repeat. They'll be sorry, and then they won't repeat that mistake. I'm not seeing too many heads nod, but you can imagine in fairy tale land, this child exists. It's the uh, my mom's here; she can attest that was me. And uh, it's <laughs> I can't, not it's on film. It's true. And uh, and so, but this kid, and, and then you have the other child. In this scenario, we'll name him my brother Jonathan. That that will stay up late and and will wake up late and won't help anybody in the morning. And when they do something wrong or when you ask them to do something, <laughs> you get the whatever that groan is. Like no, and and when they make a mistake, you can almost guarantee it will be repeated over and over and over again. Which kid are you more likely to give responsibility to? Which. Which kid are you going to trust that has, which kid would be proven to be trusted with little to one day be trusted with much? When it comes time to hand over those literal car keys, who's getting the car keys? Today we, uh, we want to think about what makes, one, what makes us qualified to take keys from Jesus. What is he looking for? What's he looking for for people that are going to help him carry on this mission, this ministry that he's, he's been preparing for and that he's been launching? And so our, our passage that we're looking at, we're going to continue in, in the Gospel of Luke. If you want to turn in your physical Bibles, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you hit John, you went too far, so stay in Luke and go to chapter 5. Or if you just want to pull up the app as you're still Instagramming your picture, uh, pull up the Bible app. And get the uh, Luke chapter 5 through the app there. And so our passage starts like this. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. Isn't it crazy? Like, we don't necessarily need bells and whistles. What we need is to preach the word of God. Like, Jesus is just preaching the word of God, and they're coming to him. They have a hunger to hear the word of God. And he was standing by the lake at Gesserit, something like that, I don't know, ask him. And, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the, fisher, uh, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. So presumably they were fishing all night. Now this is early in the morning, they're done. They were fishing at night, early in the morning. Now they're done, and they're, and they're washing their, their nets. Getting into the boats, 
which was Simon's. And I need to like a little note because sometimes I'm going to say Simon, sometimes I'm going to say Peter. We know later that Jesus gives Peter a new, or Simon a new name, Peter. And so we know this to be the apostle Peter. If you don't know all 12 disciples, that's cool. But many of us know Peter. He's a big deal. And so this Simon is also known as Peter. And asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, I'm not too good at this whole fishing thing, all right? So last, last Father's Day, this is my thought of fishing. And uh, if I'm going to go out fishing, I have no clue. I'm like the type of guy that I'm like, let's just go charter a boat, and go fishing that way. Or let's go out with Jay Curcio and he's going to provide everything and just tell me, drop the line. Like that type of, I want to go fishing. I want to wear my fishing hat. My, my kids, for whatever reason, love fishing. You can tell these are still unopened. These are from last Father's Day. <laughs> this is my era of fishing. So they bought themselves a gift. We got the Ninja Turtles fishing reel. Uh, and then we got Spider-Man. And then they bought Dad his own fishing pole with all that you need to go deep sea fishing. This is, like, obviously I don't go fishing, all right? I had to find these in my garage. But this is my thought about how one goes fishing. I'm like, I don't know. Go out with Brian Sapinski. He takes his kids fishing. Just go with them. I don't know. This is, but this is, the, this is not the type of fishing that we're talking about in the scriptures. Like, this might be what we envision, but this isn't what's being talked about. Jesus didn't, Peter didn't put on his cool little hat, although that would be awesome. I don't see that in the pictures. But, but the type of fishing that we're talking about, you can get this for $10 off of Amazon, is, is this, this type of fishing where you would jump into a boat and you would throw these nets into the water and you would hope to get a whole slew of fish as you then pull the net back up into the boat and hope that you would capture these fish alive so that at one point you can eat and sell said fish. You would throw these nets. I don't obviously need this, so after service, if anybody can use that, uh, feel free to, uh, to take that. But that's the type of fishing that we have going on here. They've been up all night throwing these nets into the water. And Jesus has the tenacity to say, hey, I got, I got, a, I got a thing for you. I know you've been, you haven't slept. You're tired. Can, the crowd's pressing in. It's not really conducive to a, to a captivating environment, something that we, we value here, captivating environments, that, that we would all come here and hear the word of God and that everything going on here would be, would be made for this moment so that we would hear the word of God and be captivated by God's word. And so Jesus is, is doing that here. He, he sees the crowd pressing in. And he says, I'm going to, it's dangerous, so I'm going to, I'm going to go out in the water just a little bit. My voice will, will go off of the water. They'll hear me on the shore. This will make for them to hear my word and to keep them safe. So he cares about the environment, and he meets them in their hunger for God's word. And what we're going to see is it makes for a fantastic object lesson. So our passage now continues to say this. And when he had uh, finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep. Let your nets down for, for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've toiled all night and, and took nothing. But at your word, I, I'll let down the nets. 
And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. And their nets were breaking, and they signaled to their partners in, in the other boat, Come, help. And they came, and they filled both boats. And they began to sink. Peter and his buddies are tired. They've been up all night. If They're probably annoyed by the ask, the question of, hey, put your boat out just a little bit. I know you want to go home and sleep, but just give me, give me a little bit of time to preach to these people. Peter is a seasoned fisherman. He, he knows that, that at night the, the fish come more to the surface when it's cooler, that during the day they go to the deeper parts of the water when, when it's warmer. And so in the middle of the day, Jesus, my experience, my logic would say, this makes no sense. This goes against everything. I'm tired. I'm annoyed. Nothing about this scenario makes me want to drop my nets. I see this as fool's gold. And you're just a carpenter's son, a preacher man, telling me how to fish. Why on earth would I listen to you? Why on earth would I trust you? Ava, can you come up here for, for a second and sit in, in this chair for me? Is Burgos, Callie, can, can you come up here, up here too? Can you sit in, in this chair? Is Wendy Jennings here? Wendy, yeah, you're always good to get up here. Come on up here. And then... Uh, and then if we can give a round of applause for the woman that raised me the same. Uh, uh, my mom, can you come on up here and, and sit in, in this chair here? You don't have to applaud that. I was a saint. I never got an attention. It was really easy for her. Let me, I'm, I kid, actually. But anyway, so here are four, four moms. And, and, and this, in this scenario, my, we, we are blessed with a, with a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter almost and she doesn't give us any bit of attitude. She is perfect. She takes everything we say, but, but when you have a young child, some of you can relate, you're so thankful for the nursery. You're so thankful, and you're like, let this service be four hours. I'm here. I'm good, all right? In this scenario, when that, that trust and obedience relationship, in, in, in this scenario, you're looking at your child, and you're demanding it. You're, you're hoping that they'll give you the trust to obey you and to listen to you, but should they not? Should they, hey, look both ways when you're crossing the road. Should they say, oh, forget you, Dad. Nope, I'm going to demand that you listen and trust me. I'm going to force trust upon you because at this age, you, you have to for their, own, for their own safety. Now, I get the honor of picking up Jameer, her son, every, every Sunday morning. I know he's a piece of work. I know he's a lot of work. And when you get to this age... You're expecting it. You're giving them just a little bit to go out. You're, you're extending them to some trust, but you're, but you're also expecting, you're, you're my son, you're a junior higher, you're going to be a high schooler. Uh, I'm expecting you to trust, to listen, to obey me. And then you fast forward. Wendy kind of has every age group in her house, but when you kind of get to that, that college and post-college age group, you, you hope for it. You, you hope that they'll reach back out to you. You, you hope that they'll take your advice. You'll hope that you have lived such an honorable life before them that when you give them advice, they're like, yeah, Mom, I've seen it going on in your life, and I, I want to take your advice. And, and then you reach my mom's age where, where now she has, she's 16, get out of here. 
you reach that. And now she's looking at, at me, and she's looking at, she's looking at her grandkids, and now she's looking at, at, and she's like, this is a beautiful life. She better say that. And, and, and here's, here's where the really, now she's looking to me at times. And how I know that is she has an Apple iPhone. She has never once called Apple support. I'm Apple! I know nothing! But she calls me. I fixed her phone yesterday. It's true. But that relationship starts to turn. Where, where now at times she looks at me and she's trusting the advice I give to her. There's a progression with the life of just kids, with the level of trust and obedience. Does, does, do we get that? Do we see that? Give these ladies a round of applause. Please don't fall off the stage. Thank you, Rich. And Jesus looks to these guys and looks to Simon and says something that makes no logical sense. And Peter's response is, because of your word, I'll do it. I, I, we don't know what Jesus was teaching from the boat, but wouldn't we love to know? What was Jesus teaching that, that Peter was willing to defy all logic to say, this makes no sense, Jesus, I'm tired. The last thing I want to do is throw these nets in the water, but because of you, I will do it. They throw the nets in. We have to imagine these are good nets. They've examined the nets. They were washing the nets. So these are good nets. And, and now the, the blessing of obedience is such where the nets are ripping, where his boat is starting to sink, his partner's boat is starting to sink. And don't, can't we relate that sometimes God blesses to us with obedience, but that blessing will come at a cost. It's not always just, oh, this is awesome. Sometimes he'll bless you with a job promotion, and that will demand more time of you. Sometimes, sometimes he, you'll, you'll be striving to get into that awesome school, that, that, that your A number one list on your schools, and, and you'll get into that school, but guess what? It's going to cost you more time, more energy. The, studi the studies are going to be a lot harder for you. Sometimes blessing comes at a cost, and we see that in this, in this scripture. The blessing came at a cost for them. And Peter, Peter does something awesome in this passage. It shows that he's the exact type of person that Jesus is looking for. This isn't about fishing. Peter, are you going to follow me even when it doesn't make any sense? Will you, are you willing to defy all logic for me? It makes him the exact type of person that Jesus is looking for. He's looking for humility. This is all about me, Peter, and not you. Will you follow me? This has nothing to do with fishing. If, if you're going to follow me when it defies all logic, watch out. It's no longer going to be about the fishing business. It's going to be about something else. You want to continue doing life in your strength? Guess what? You'll build a great fishing empire. You want to do life in my strength? Oh, I got something else for you. It will lead to the miraculous. Jesus can't have a follower that thinks he's the master. Jesus needs followers that are always willing to learn and learn more and endlessly grow to be more and more like the master. And so our passage now continues with this. But Simon people saw it. And he fell down at Jesus' uh, at Jesus's knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For, for all, all who were with him were astonished, all of them, at the catch of fish that had taken. 
And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, and the partners with Simon. And, and Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their, their boats to land, they left everything to follow him. Peter, Peter, the seasoned fisherman, knows this is, this is different. I've never had a catch like this. And it clicks with him. This is miraculous. The man before me, the man that gave me the, the command to cast my nets, he's the son of God. In his response. See, everybody that day was astonished. But it's Peter that falls to his knees. And Jesus looks at that and classifies it as fear. It's not fear of like this abusive God. It's not fear like, oh my goodness, Jesus is going to drown me in the water now. No, it's this type of fear that's awe, that's reverence. God, you are so big. God, you are so magnificent. God that can bring a whole heap of fish and sink ships. Oh God, depart from me. His feeling is that of being unworthy. And so he bows, bows in humility. And with that bow in humility, Jesus says something that if you were to take this out of context, is the weirdest thing in the world. Good, Peter, go catch men. Huh? 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 Like, you, you can't go into work tomorrow and be like, well, Jesus told me to catch you. I'm just listening. You could turn that into a wicked good pickup line, right? No. I kid, I kid. But some of you guys are going to try it. If you know the Greek, it's even more odd. The Greek, they have a word for catching a fish, killing it, eating it like fishermen do. They also have a word for catching fish and keeping them alive. Jesus uses that, that word, and Peter gets what he's talking about. He's not talking about going and casting, a, throwing a net on another human being and saying, I got you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> what he's saying is, Peter, you're going to be used by me by my Holy Spirit, to draw people to the name of Jesus Christ, to submit themselves to the will of the Father. That's what it means to win somebody over for the name of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and Jesus doesn't have to prod. He doesn't have to go on to a whole other sermon. He doesn't have to pull Peter aside and explain a, a, whole, a whole slew of reasoning why he should be followed. He says, Peter, follow me. And he does. And that's sometimes the issue. We don't understand the master sometimes in the local church. Sometimes we have to go, we have to encourage people with their tithing. Sometimes we have to encourage them to, to volunteer. Sometimes we have to pour money into, into making some wicked creative video or, or say here's a wicked big need that you can fill in and trying to, to not manipulate but to try to overly motivate people to go and do what they're called to do as men and women of Jesus Christ when Jesus says I'm the motivation all you need to know is me drop everything follow me just walk in obedience and the reason Peter would do that is because he knows rejection he's a Jewish man He's gone to Jewish school his whole life. And you know what he would be likened to in our day and age? A dropout. He's, 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 he's gone through Jewish school where he has to memorize the entire Old Testament. And you would, as you're memorizing the Old Testament, you would advance in Jewish school. And at one point, a rabbi would come and they would pick you out. And they would say, you're going to follow me. And there was a mutual relationship there. You wanted to have a rabbi that would represent you well. And if you're a rabbi, you wanted a disciple that would represent you well. Peter's not following a rabbi. 
Peter's not in Jewish school. He's going about the fishing business. So he's a reject. He's a dropout. In society, in the Jewish world, he's unaccepted. No one wants Peter in that culture. And Jesus, the rabbi, says, you're exactly who I want. And so it's easy for Peter to leave everything. He's He's not coaxing Jesus to say, Jesus, I just got this really big fish. This is, this is the most profitable day of my fishing career. I know you said follow me, but how about you join business with me? You have this fishing thing going on. You can make the fish just kind of come to me. Why don't we get into relationship together in the business sense, and we're going to make it rain the Benjamins. <laughs> he doesn't do that. He defies all logic even a profitable business day, and leaves. I've uh, gotten to know a lady named Michelle. We've talked about her before. She met us during the, uh, the gas giveaway. She was uh, hanging out with uh, a guy who uh, lived over by the gas giveaway, and, uh, and they, uh, he got the gas. She didn't. And when she, he got that God loves you card, he was blown away by it. And, uh, and so... He came home and gave her the card. And she was like, oh, they actually, like, I've heard about them. They, and they actually believe what they're saying. Like, yeah, we all should. And, and, and so she got the card, and she asked to get coffee with me. He got coffee, and, and she's like, I, I went to church many years ago, but I haven't recently. I've kind of fallen away from this whole God thing. I want to get back into it. She's been here since day one, and she's flourishing in her walk with Jesus Christ. And, and this past December, she, she was really convicted and challenged that God was calling her to, to do something in obedience. She was living with that man, and they weren't married. And she knows that Jesus talks about being above reproach, being above, be, being above even the appearance of evil. And she knows that, that, that we would see that as a sinful thing to, to live with somebody before you're married like that. Even though culturally it says, hey, that's cool. And even to say that now, some of us are like, you're stupid. I get that. It's cool to think what? No. But Jesus says, my, my economy, my kingdom is going to be different. And she got that. And she said, Jason, I... On paper, here's a whole list of reasons why this works. I can't afford my house financially. I can't do this on my own. And a whole slew of other reasons. And she's like, but God's, I know it, and to walk in obedience, God's calling me to leave this relationship. God's calling me to, to have him leave my house. And so she took that step at the first of the year. And she, he moved back up north. She's paid every mortgage payment. She hasn't wanted for anything. Her life group has come alongside her. This week, she's been in the hospital in rehab. You want to know what her life group did? They went to the rehab, Green Acres, to have life group with her in Green Acres. God has clapped for that. <laughs> Clap and then join a life group. <laughs> because discipleship, there's a prerequisite. Are you willing to leave everything? Are you willing to follow me? Are you willing to, to recognize in the magnitude of God and, and the glory of God and the hugeness, the vast, all that God is, what that should make in us, what that should bring to us is an understanding of my own sinfulness. When I understand God's holiness, his perfection, the more I understand that, the more I understand that is not me. Peter
error in his thinking to fall on his knees and ask God to depart. Can't we, some of us, relate to that? I understand this Jesus thing. I love this Jesus thing. But the more I understand it, the more I can't have him because I am so unworthy. And Peter's thinking is that Jesus, the righteous son of God, you know who he's going to hang out with? He's going to hang out with the righteous. He's going to hang out with the pious. He's going to hang out with everybody that has it going on. But this school dropout, this sinner, he wants nothing to do with sinful man. Kind. He feels like some of us feel. I have no chance with God. Those are the type of people that, that maybe you're in here waiting for the room to burn down. If I go to church, the church, the church is going to burn down. Guess who never said that? Jesus. Jesus said, come, come, come. It ain't going to burn down. I'm protecting you from that. I, I had a young man that was getting baptized. And he, he bought into Jesus. He knew Jesus. He said yes to Jesus. But his fear was, Jason, if I get baptized, and I think he had a legitimate fear that if he jumped into the waters of baptism, that the water was going to start to boil. And I said to him right before baptism, I said, buddy, that water ain't going to boil unless you fart. Like, we're good. Because Jesus loves you, accepts you, and desires you. And you want, besides your ability, you're saying, God, I got nothing to bring to this table except my sin. You're everything. So that's why we've labeled this series unaccepted. Because the alleviary to spiritual greatness is humility. We want to be great when we have to understand that, Jesus, that in the world's eyes, I, I am unaccepted. In the world's eyes, I don't make it. In the world's eyes, I keep making mistakes. But Jesus says, I want you. I desire you. You can't outsin my love. You can't outsin my grace. You can't outsin my forgiveness. Yes, understand that with a holy God, you bring sin to the table. And I know that. I'm all knowing. I know all you have done. And yet, I still desire and want you. We live this lie on the other side of the equation, though, that says, I'm a decently good person. And when I die, God will accept me because you turned on CNN and you turned on Fox News and you saw a shooting or you saw what the Syrians are doing or you saw whatever, whoever other people in the world are doing or your neighbor, the drug dealer or this, that. You see the other people and you're like, I have it going on. So when I die, God will surely accept me. You don't understand the holiness, the magnitude of God. You, what you're saying is that, here, me plus Jesus equals everything. I, I bring me, I get Jesus, and that equation means everything where Jesus says, I love you in spite of you. You bring nothing to the table. I am everything. I'm calling you to accept me and then gain the world, gain everything because of me. If you have me, you have it all. You bring nothing to the table. I bring everything to the table. And so Peter, aware of that, bows in humility. And so that's our big thought for the morning is that Jesus puts the humble on mission. You want to be used by God. You, you want to be on mission for Jesus. You better look humbly and say, Jesus, you are everything. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. Put me on mission for you. We, we would have to look at this and say, I'm an imperfect instrument, and, and God is, is so, I'm so blessed that God would, would, would use me. Because if I'm going to go on mission with Jesus, 
I have to make him Lord and Savior. I, I can't be striving after other gods. I can't be, here, here's, here's Jesus' seat, and, and we're going to take this, oh yeah, hang out there for a second, you'll trip me. And here's, here's everything else in the world. I can't, I can't be following Jesus and say, hey, I'm going to follow after money while I'm also striving for God. I, I, I'm going to follow after women and, or, or relationships and make relationships God, or I'm, I'm going to follow after a career or a job, or even with today's, I'm going to make my kids God. We can put all these things over here, and, and if we're running after this, how on earth can we be running after this while also running over here? Logically, you can't. It's, it's God or it's nothing. It's all Jesus with trust and obedience running fully after Jesus. And here's what God does in an awesome, awesome way. He'll take your relationships that you're striving after, and he says, if you want to worship me, I'll make your relationships better. If, if, if you want to make money your God, well, follow after me, and I'll teach you how to use money, and it will bring you great joy. You want to strive after that promotion? I'll show you that it ain't about a job, but how you can serve me through whatever career I call you into. God has a way of bringing you sheer joy as you strive after him and give him the seat that is due him. And are we willing to do that? He's inviting you into a process to win others to Jesus Christ. It's not waiting for people to come to us. It's us going to them. We, we, uh, we push this book, Pray for One. I have two copies out at the back. Check it on your way out. Pray for One is something that we do every single morning. We wake up, we pray for people that don't know Jesus because that God has put us on mission to do that. That's not passive. Us, that's us going and seeking, going and saying, God, my job is a mission field. Even if I, if I work for, in a secular industry, even I, if I work for the town, or if I, if, I work for, if I work for a school, if I work for X, Y, Z, whatever it might be, my job is a mission field. A mission field doesn't only happen here. A mission field doesn't only happen within the four walls of a church. Your job is a mission field. The people that you're interacting with, that, this is active. We go in pursuit of people for Jesus Christ because we want to see more and more people say yes and give Jesus his due seat that they make him everything so we go in pursuit and in order to do that we must trust obey and be humble in that and receive the blessing of being put on mission Peter says yes he defies all logic follows Jesus he trusts Jesus he finds blessing and he becomes self-aware of his own sinfulness and when he's self-aware of that God puts him on mission so, it might make cultural sense, logical sense, to live with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. But if God's calling you to do it a different way, do you trust him enough to do that? It might make sense to, for you to marry a non-believer who might be pulling you away from your relationship with Jesus Christ. Perhaps does God have a better way for you? Perhaps. Maybe you score these great scores on the SATs where you can get into any school you want. Good job. I cannot relate to that at all. <laughs> you have a full ride. And you know God's calling you into the mission field. And your family, thought the thought of going to a Bible school, your family's calling you an idiot. No, no, that make, you're going to squander, squander, squander. <laughs> you will squander if you do it, if Jesus is calling you in a different direction. If Jesus is calling you into it, it's the best thing that you can do. So are you willing to obey him and go that route? 
If we are humble people before God, we don't need anything but Jesus. He drops his nets and takes on Jesus. If, if, as followers of Jesus, we get new nets. To hang on to something says, Jesus, I don't need you. To hang on, Jesus, I'll give you everything but. Well, then the but is where I want control. The butt is where Jesus can butt out. The butt is where I know better than Jesus. I know better than Jesus in my finances. I know better than Jesus in my relationships. And versus humbly going before God and saying, Jesus, I don't have it all going on in those areas. I'm going to trust you. To give him everything and not try to hang on to something, but to give him everything because Jesus changes everything. He will change our per, per, uh, priorities. He asks us to leave everything to gain everything. Leave everything for everything, because that's the power of Jesus Christ. He's calling you on to mission. These disciples will leave everything. They will drop their nets, and they will follow Jesus and enter into a very intense three-year internship. Well, they will learn that Jesus is everything. And so what does dropping the nets look like for you? Where, where is God tugging on your heart this morning saying, I've been following Jesus in obedience in all these areas, but this one area I've left out. What does that look like for you? So my challenge to us is it purposely ambiguous. It's drop your nets. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I know that the Holy Spirit has put something on your heart. So what does dropping the nets look like for you? Is it, is it being more vocal in, in, your, in your work area? Is it... Is it, is it Trusting God with your finances? Is it trusting God with your relationship? Is it trusting God with your kids? Wherever that might be where you need to drop your nets, give it all up and attack and go out for Jesus Christ and walk in obedience with him. I trust that you will do that. I challenge you to do that. I met with a, a young lady at a coffee shop. Carly and I met with her because she was looking to have us pray for her. And she's, a, she's going to be a missionary overseas. They say that we can't say her name publicly. And so... I'll call her Mildred because I have yet to meet anybody actually named Mildred. And so uh, we'll call her Mildred. And she's talking to, to us at that table. She's, I think she's like 23 years old, a young, a young lady going over to the Middle East. And uh, she's, I asked her, like, so do your parents know Jesus? Nope, they think I'm stupid. They don't want me to go. And, she's, and she says, I don't understand why. Why don't they want me to go? And in my head, I'm thankful that I didn't say what I was thinking. <laughs> and I was like, well, because you might die. Like, you're, 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 they're looking at their baby girl, like, giving her keys. Understanding that if they let her go, she quite literally might die. And her attitude was, if I don't go over there and God's calling me to this, who's going to go? I know for certain he has called me. And so she has dropped her nets to leave the comforts of the, of the United States of America to go over to a country where she can literally die, where Christians die every single day because she has a heart for seeing refugees come to know Jesus Christ and grow in their walk with Jesus. And so she has dropped her nets and she's going. In our, in our budget, in our, in our finances, we give over $20,000 a year to missions. And so we didn't have any more money to, to give to her. And so I'm going to defy logic for a second. I'm going to issue Wellspring a second challenge. We've posted on our social media uh, something about Mildred and with a link on how we can support her. Logically, as a pastor, I should be asking you guys to support Wellspring. 
Give us your money so that we can go out on mission. Yes, that's part of it. But today I'm going to ask you that over and above your tithe, that you would jump on our social media, find this link on our Facebook page, and that you would consider supporting her. She doesn't know that we're doing this. I'm praying and hoping that this becomes a living illustration of a big catch for her. She's at 10% right now of her funding. I pray that by the end of this week, she has reached a whole slew of her funding. Because a little Bodunk church in Tom's River said, we want to make it rain fish for you. Because we believe in your mission and that you're willing to leave your nets, leave everything to follow Jesus in obedience. So maybe your struggle is finances. Maybe this is the way that you're going to honor God in that. So Jesus puts the humble on mission. Where the world will look at you and say, you are unaccepted. God says, I want you. I desire you. You can't out my grace. We're going to sing a song called Reckless Love. In light of what I bring to the table, which is nothing, isn't his love reckless? Let's sing it now.